The Gun Experiment proudly presents Chopping It Up. And here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith. All righty. Happy times, Big Keith. Sure is. How you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. I uh, am, have recovered from our, our trip. So uh, should we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, so we went out to uh, Arizona and yep. we were at the Second Amendment Foundation's Gun Right Policy Conference. Sure. Got to hear some cool uh, cool speakers. And yeah, we saw out a bit. Mark Smith was, yep. Four Boxes Diner was there. John and Korea was there. John Korea was there. So uh, obviously we saw Alan Gottlieb and we saw Masad Ayub, former guests on the show. So it was it was a good time. So Charlie Cook, our buddy yep, Charlie, and uh, he introduced us to some of the cool folks. Yep, and so it was good. Yeah, and then we decided to come home. Yeah, and uh, you know who knew that they don't allow planes to fly when the telephone system between the pilots and the flight crew don't work? <clears throat> I didn't even think you needed that. <laughs> I I don't know, but all I pictured was a rotary phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like planes, trains, and automobiles. Literally, <laughs> like we took a shuttle. There was a there was a train, so to speak. So but, they they basically said we don't have a plane for you. Go yeah. figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, and pretty we much had to figure it can, out. Can we can we know which airline this was? <laughs> it was uh, Spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and you know all things considered, we flew there on the way out, and it was fine. Um, I mean, I will say one thing: certainly a tighter seat than American Airlines on the way yeah. home. Mm. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day, like when you hear like budget airlines, Spirit, things like that. I mean, like, listen, they all have to have engines that work. They all have to have communications that work. They all have to fly, right? It's just when they say budget, because someone was like, I'm never flying this. Like, you know, obviously this is no, up they to mean, snuff. They made uncomfortable seats. Right. That's the budget part. <laughs> right. And the cattle herd getting on right. the plane right. because yes. of lack of seat assignment. Right. Yeah. The communications I mean, thing could have been any plane. Yeah. Yeah. True. You know. I feel though, like, so if you're getting on and off the plane on a regular, you know, interval yeah. and it's the same crew, um, like there's the person in me who travels quite a bit who would who would be like all right, are we good at this now? So, okay, we can all be pros at deplaning and getting on a plane. No. Because, um, you know, that's a source of ire for me as someone yeah. who's a frequent flyer. Right. <laughs> well, all it's I can terrible. say is it was not a great, it was a great experience in terms of the weekend. It was right. not a great experience it, in terms yeah. of getting home. And when you talk about now being a, a flown enough to know the best way, the most efficient way to get on and off. Yeah. When you talk about that, it's so true because- if people would just stay seated when it lands and let the mm-hmm. people in the front of the yeah. plane get their stuff get and get out and get off. Yeah. Which is not possible until not the possible. door is open, by the way. <laughs> right. um, I don't know if that is um, some sort of esoteric concept. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it seems to be somewhere in beyond the stars for a lot of people. Um, right. So I, I promise I won't turn this into a flying episode. I was just in Dallas. I was just in Wichita for two different um, events in the industry. And the, the flight going to Dallas was full of people yep. who don't fly. Yep. And I, I mean, they don't know no better. They don't know. <laughs> this was, it was brutal, man. <sighs> there were five dudes who were going to Dallas for some reason. I don't know if it was a sporting event and they all bought their tickets separately. Oh. And the first guy gets on the plane and he's like, Hey, can you go over? Like, could you move? And I thought it was just like one person. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Like I had enough 
of a Bloody Mary and a coffee in me. So I was like, all right, I'll be a, I'll be a, like a generous person. So I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll see what's over there. I go back to move over there and it's a, a lady and a teeny tiny baby baby. Oh. And I was like, absolutely. I mean, a uh, 360 turn. I was like, yeah. sorry, dude. And I kind of felt bad until the rest of his friends got on and they were rearranging the entire plane. Oh my God. Oh my God. And the flight attendants let that hour. happen? They, I don't think they realized what was happening until there was all of the dialogue <laughs> with like, like the five other people. Uh, like, oh, I'll go over here and then I'll sit over here. And if you go there and I was like, we're, we're going to fly, right? Like yeah. y'all are going to sit your rear ends down in this plane. And, uh, well, I, the re- reality unbelievable. is we are not nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. Period. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a party. So anyway, <laughs> All right, so I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And uh, when it comes to buying ammunition, we were just talking about this, guys. You need to look for a product that is accurate, reliable, and if possible, reasonable in price. New Republic Ammunition from Target Sports USA checks all three of these boxes and comes in six popular calibers. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at targetsportsusa.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases, free shipping, priority alerts, and a whole lot more all for $95 a year. And if you're looking to support us, I'm going to ask you to head on to the show notes uh, or you can hit me up on Instagram and we will get you on, we want to get you on our Discord page. Uh, go on there, hang out with all our peeps, hang out with Big Keith. And uh, we should do a contest or something on there soon. I was thinking Yeah, it's about been that a while. Day. It's been kind of quiet too and that's probably partially our fault. Yeah, yeah. we, we, we got to do something. Maybe we'll, I was actually thinking of a good contest for that. So anyway, but uh, yeah, go to Discord and join. It's kind of our personal hangout. So we're going to formally introduce tonight's guest co-host. But before we do, I want to talk about Four Patriots. They sell survival food that's sure to meet your family's needs. Whether you're looking for a 72-hour food kit or enough food to last you for an entire year, they've got you covered. On top of that, they sell water filtration, solar generators, and so much more. If you're looking to be more prepared, Four Patriots puts your family in the best position possible when the worst scenario strikes. They've offered our listeners 10% off with the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10. So go check them out at fourpatriots.com. So we interviewed tonight's guest co-host a few months back on our other show, and we had a great time. And now she is back in studio and back to chop it up with us. Please welcome Rachel Maloney from Glow Rhino and Onsite Firearms Training. Rachel, formally, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Good. You have a drink early on this yeah, time. Yep. Yep. Last solid, time, solid. Last time we wanted to see how long you'd hang around. All right. Yeah. You, I mean, I can do it. Well, you wait passed. a minute. The you drink, passed the test. The drink might might make her wait around longer. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, true. That's, that's what happened Buckle to Buckle up, guys. It's going to be a six hour episode. Yeah. Well, that's Steve Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Steve Fisher was like, I'm going to drink that whole bottle and I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 That was a good time, also, though. So, how have you been? Uh, good, busy. Like yeah. I said, you know, traveling in 80 million different states, traveling a lot. Um, you know, uh, the running joke is I have five different jobs. And so with Glow Rhino, there's also night fishing in Kamenga. And so I was just out for Primary Arms Government Day in Dallas, which was really interesting and fun. It was all law enforcement, um, all government agencies uh, that are part of that event. And then, uh, Recently, I was out in Wichita, Kansas, um, and uh, got to spend some time with regular folks at that event um, for TriggerCon, which is uh, is always interesting. And so, uh, I'm never really, you know, in contact with uh, people who are part of the 2A community uh, out in Kansas. So, 
Um, whenever I'm in an area where I don't really have a lot of contact with that, uh, with that crew of people, I'm always asking a lot of questions because I want to know, um, Hey, what's your, what's your two, a culture like here? Um, and I, I think, uh, it's a, it's a stark contrast between what we have here where, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. you can't, you can't do the, you can't sit with me, uh, thing in this part of the country. And we, we are constantly in contact with people and we can't curate, who we hang out with and um, you know, we're always coming in contact with people who are not into guns and, and actively dislike guns and are working against our ability to retain our second amendment rights. And um, so it's, it's always like fascinating when you, when you meet people who are just like, yeah, I just don't, I just don't deal with that. And it's like, all right, that's, that's cool. And I'm not saying that's everyone that I dealt with yeah. out there, but it is, um, it's a stark contrast in many ways. Cause it's like, y'all have the luxury of doing that yeah. <laughs> in many ways. When we were in Arizona, uh, I had, I was asked to speak. So I had a, a you know, an opportunity to speak in a, in a, in a stage and it was very kind of them. And, uh, the topic of, uh, my speech was, it's not about me, it's about we and mm-hmm. the whole concept. And part, part yeah. of my part of the speech was, you know, a lot of times on the show, we talk about how the Second Amendment is uh, unfairly affecting us, how it affects me. How does this affect me? How's this going to affect me? And people from outside the state are often like, well, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't affect me. This doesn't, you know, this isn't about me. Sure. And how the fact that that's not really good yeah. for any of us. Yeah. And it's not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it will affect them. Yeah. It will affect them eventually. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, and it's not, again, I'm not generalizing. It was just, it's like, I'll, I'll encounter more people who are just like, well, I just won't be around them. Or I just, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't deal with them. And I'm like, you know, listen, I just, I need you to understand, um, you know, we're the, every time you meet someone, you're an ambassador for all of us. Right. Um, so there's really no way of getting around it. It it's, it's no one individual can make a mistake. If someone makes a mistake with a firearm, it's all our fault. Um, we're always, you know, lumped into one category. We all look the same. Um, you know, we all act the same. Um, and we, we, uh, we don't in real life. And right. so for that, that reason, you know, every time we're encountering people, it, it's a mantle and it's a burden in many ways, but it's kind of like too bad. I mean, this is, you are a representative of something that, um, you know, is a right and it should be a right. It shouldn't be politicized. It shouldn't be made into something. It's just something that we should all have. And every bad actor, right? Every mass shooter, every person that commits, uh, you know, a felony with a gun, they, whether or not we are aligned with them, which we're not, we get lumped in with absolutely them every yeah. time without yep. question, and so it's it's like it's always interesting. I like to kind of take the temperature of of you know all the different types of people that I meet at these events um, for that reason because we in the Northeast exist in such such stark contrast, um, but are you know in constant contact with people who are uh, still in this. Um, they 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 believe we as gun owners are these caricatures. And, um, you know, it's every time I go to a show, um, every time I go to a large event, um, I'll stand there and I'll watch all of the people that are walking past me. Some of them are interacting with them. Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. There absolutely are. And without question, but it's like, they're also, you know, they're milling about with people who look very different and they're dressed very different and, you know, come from different cultures. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where I'm always, I'm always, you know, faced with someone who, who believes 
uh, you know, every gun owner is one way and I kind of want to like hold this, you know, photo up or video up or, you know, bring them to something and say like, I, I need you to actually open your eyes and look at, look at what you see. There's every different type of person right. that's at this event. Um, I had a woman come up to me at the end of a 18 hour course I was teaching and she was that's like, that's a great ad campaign um, by the way. What's that? <laughs> like just pictures of all the different yeah, random. Yeah, just look who's yeah. here. My God, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like watching, I don't know. So, But I had a woman come up to me at the end of an 18-hour course that I taught over the summer. And she, um, she, she was like, listen, I just wanted to let you know I was prepared to sit through this course for, uh, you know, the 16 hours of classroom time and be bored to tears, getting droned on by some, you know, dude in his 70s some white dude in his 70s with a vest and cargo pants yeah 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 <laughs> and she was so ready for that Don't forget the beard and she was like i just want to let you know it was so refreshing because it was exactly what i didn't think it was right and you had you know different people come in and speak and there were all of these different people in class with me and i was like good i just hope you know i'm glad that you you realize that we're not we're not these caricatures we're right, not yeah. who people pr portray us to be right and just remember that. That's all I'll ever ask of you. you yeah, know? Right. But um, but yeah, so in that in, in that big event that you guys were at in Arizona, you know, I mean, that must have been fascinating to be seen. How, so people <laughs> was there from a lot all of over, Would you say there was, was a lot it? of caricatures? I would say there was a lot of characters. There was a lot of caricatures. Uh, you know, Car and, not and, and, not and, characters, caricatures. <laughs> correct. Some of those two. Yeah, some of those two. Uh, uh, I, I thought more of those actually yeah. than characters, yeah. but um, very uh, so, some stereotypes, you know, Definitely. for sure. Yeah, which is I think that's probably the toughest part of what we deal with in our capacity as advocates, right? Not just it's not just pro two A people. So but, I mean, like you know, Rachel, you're in the studio, but it's actually a big part of my sort of philosophy, and it's a big part of why we have a sign, a neon sign in pink, and a graffitied. Revolver. I thought you just liked pink. I mean, I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, you you wear a, uh, a fanny I know pack a in pink. I do wear a fanny pink. Who also likes yeah, pink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, he feels right at home when yes. he gets here. But uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, having a more modern twist on the on the gun owner sure. is is a, a refreshing thing. I love sure. when I see it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I use this as my example because he's the, one of the bigger ones. But that's one of the things that I felt was so refreshing about Colleen Noir mm -hmm. is he like really. I mean, we're talking sure. like, there's a while now we're yeah. going back a ways, but he really flipped things on its mm -hmm. on its head. Yeah. And guys like him mm -hmm. from all walks of life are very refreshing in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So speaking of the industry, uh, and you know we're talking pretty positive. I got to bring in uh, some negativity here. <laughs> so oh, this is not not positive. Not, not positive. Uh, Gavin Newsom signed some new gun laws, and they added new taxes and limits of where gun owners can carry firearms. So uh, he was. They're tightening the state's concealed carry rules. Uh, like I said, they're they're imposing some new taxes on sales of firearms and ammunition. And it's worth noting that they already have some of the strong, uh, strongest and strictest firearms regulations in the country. Um, they've been recognized by organizations such as Gifford's Law Center. And meanwhile, while they have some of the toughest laws in the industry, I mean, sorry, in the country, hanging over them, we're looking at two mass shootings at the start of this year. So there was the Monterey Park shooting and the Half Moon Bay shooting that killed 18 people. So 
it always makes me laugh because you have all these laws mm-hmm. and yet you're still having these situations happen yeah. and you don't realize that more laws don't necessarily equal less gun crime. Also too, just, and I'm not to, to take it off California, but you know, California gets this coverage, but, and, and it, it becomes this like wringing of hands moment where people are like, well, we have to do something. We have to do something. Um, and people want short, succinct, easy, like easy to digest, um, not complex answers to extremely complex problems. Um, but I still think it's telling that we continue to see, um, these types of elements and coverage. And I get it. It's Los Angeles time. So of course they're going to be covering everything related to California, Right. but we don't, the, the dialogue is never about the regular gun crime. Right. Yeah. So right. it's never it's about always just like, it's always just what like happens in Baltimore, moment. what's happening in Philly, Philly, what's happening in Chicago. There's just never that. It's just these big sparkly moments where, yeah. you know, there's someone with a camera there and they get to, um, you know, uh, snap these pictures and they're, you know, now they're using these nice wide angle lenses and they're creating all of this drama around um, these layers of laws that have yet to prove that they have any real impact on people who are determined to kill people and whether or not they have access to a rifle, a pistol, um, or, you know, if they want to start using vehicles, if they want right. to start yeah. using bombs, right? All of the stuff that um, you know, exists out there. And I think, you know, we have this, it's in our faces here in New York and we see right. some of the things that happen here and people are, you know, and this is a people problem. It, it doesn't, right. it doesn't stop at one voting line or one activity line, but um, even people within the gun community just go, well, move. Right. Or, um, you know, it's like, they're also offering. Like it's so easy. We hear that in New York succinct, all the time, right? You know, sort of like quick meme level, um, answers to this very big problem. And they're like, well, move. And, and we're over here like, it, it's a it's a bleed, guys. Right. So yeah. it, it will happen somewhere else. And if they're able to accomplish it here and they leave it alone, it's going to happen somewhere else. Of if course. you read this article, they talk about how California, Newsom basically took the blueprint from what Hochul put in place. I mean, literally, you took the words out of my mouth. Hold on one second. Oh, sure, yeah. No, 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 because I'm going to let you continue. But I was literally just going to ask you, Keith, yeah. did you notice that when you look at the sensitive places where things are off, off limits, and Rachel, you just said it. The it, phrase, it's identical. Itself. It's identical. Showing up outside of yeah. something like federal buildings, um, airport secured areas, the kind of usual cast of characters where having a, a loaded concealed carry weapon in, in place is um, longstanding. You can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, again, the, the way these articles are written, they omit the fact that this is, they, they like to kind of bring in the, the hot button locations, theaters, schools, libraries, all of these locations where they're like, okay, make sure you choose a place where there was a mass shooting before right. so that we can, um, confirm bias for people who are already like, oh, thank God they're getting rid of guns in these right. locations where, um, you know, uh, it still didn't stop it, someone. I mean, is it naive? murder is illegal, guys. Like, is, it, <laughs> is it naive of those individuals who are like, thank goodness there are not going to be guns in these places? Is that what it is? Are, they, are, are those people I, naive to the fact that this law will not stop? I, I think that it definitely 
in in context, like when in the moment, I guess yep. is what I'm trying to say is in the moment, people will read this. It's feel good. And it makes them feel good. Again, yep. it's that simple Breaks answer. Breaks down that defense. To a, oh, thank God. They yeah. made them illegal. Yeah. Done. Dunzo. Yep. No more crime now. Crime's illegal. And it's like, well, guys, it doesn't work like the that. The one thing in the article that made me laugh is what part of this is they're going to impose a tax on ammunition and, yep. and firearms. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Bill uh, AB28. So- yep. This is a great quote from the California Rifle and Pistol Association. They said, AB, and we've heard this before, AB 28 would unjustly place the entire burden of funding efforts to address illegal gun violence on the backs of law-abiding citizens who legally purchase and lawfully use firearms and ammunition. And this is funny to me because Gavin Newsom says, you know, we're going to take every dollar of that tax and we're going to use it towards gun violence, to address gun violence. It's like, yeah, but you're punishing the good guy. Yeah, right? but like they don't care. They don't care. They don't because care it because it sounds good, right? We're because we you like want guns, these guns and ammo. You're gonna pay to help stop the. We're violence. not the good guys, right? For the, to we're them. still in the same category as the because again, and this is why hearkening back to what we were discussing before, this idea of the caricature and getting it removed is so important. So that people understand that we don't carry guns so that we can get them out and point them at people when uh, we're cut off in, in traffic, that we're not going to the gun for the first problem that we have. We're not getting the wrong name on our cup of coffee at Starbucks and drawing <laughs> down on the barista. I only give the wrong you name. You <laughs> laugh. And I'm not saying that there aren't some wild people out there, but it is for that reason that I carry a gun because there are some wild yeah, people sure. out there. But this is not That's the why I give the wrong name on my cup. point with which we carry firearms. However, when you say good guys, it's punishing the good guys. In their eyes, if we like guns, we're the bad guys. Right. Yeah. And I will say this too. You were talking about the caricature earlier. And the caricature a lot of times genuinely hurts us because there are so Absolutely. many gun owners. And I, you know, speaking as like an OFT representative- mm-hmm. There is a, a continuum of violence, right? Like there's this, there's there's a spectrum of violence. Okay. And so sometimes a situation requires a little bit of reaction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it requires a lot of reaction. Sure. And so how many people actually train for that full gamut and can can verbally de-escalate? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of gun owners, those caricatures. I, you hear it all the time. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just pull my gun out. Yeah. And yeah. it's like that that caricature is dangerous yes. because of that. Yes, absolutely. Right? And and the bravado and the chest beating right. and the, the kind of attitude that exists on the internet um, when you mix it with a firearm is absolutely just as toxic yep. when it is. So if you, you can go on to um, any number of posts of women who were killed um, and as a result of something related to violence in the home, right? Some sort of domestic element. And if it was a woman who was killed uh, as a result of either someone's perceived or someone's actual cheating on on uh, the male in, in the relationship. Um, there was a video recently that a, a, a guy posted and he says right there, he posted it on Facebook that he went into his house, he caught his girlfriend um, in an act with another man, and he went and got a hammer. (laughs) He went and got a hammer, and he beat her to death. Was it Romeo and Juliet? What what act was it? (laughs) Yeah, So, but he beat her to death. 
And he posted about it on the internet. He posted the video admitting to what he did. Um, They did eventually get him for obvious reasons, but the comments on that video, um, it was reposted on Instagram on an account. The comments on that video included a number of people saying, hey, it's justified. She cheated on him. So what I'm trying to say is human nature, human nature in and of itself is problematic because we we don't follow rules simply because murder is not allowed simply because, um, okay, well, you know, there's no, there's no, there's not supposed to be any guns in this area. So there won't be. Right. And it's the disconnect to me on once you leave an article like that and the, the little bite size, Oh, we've solved the problem. You know, that we, we know consciously that that doesn't, that's right. not a real solution to this issue. Right. So to your point before, it's like, how do they, yeah, do, are, is it just naivete? Like what, like what, uh, what perpetuates this idea that this is the solution? Right. Do uh, you ever, do you ever notice that whenever someone's about to make a serious point, you and I somehow cut it off with a joke that's inappropriate <laughs> every time? No, I, I, I I've never noticed so, that. <laughs> But ultimately, though, like, and again, to kind of tie it into what we see here with Newsom's law, right? Right. So the the and in in along with this, right? So the financial impact, this idea that all of these monies are going to be going towards solving gun violence problems, Um, you know, I think another sliver sliver in there is very important to highlight. They also add in that article the expectation that everyone is to be interviewed by law enforcement. Yep. Um, this is, uh, to me, it's, it's a theme if you are paying attention. So um, when Hochul initially released all of the laws that were to be put in place um, in September 1st of last year, the Concealed a paper, Improvement Act. yes, a paper, a PDF was available to download briefly on the, on the governor's page. Um, supporting uh, why she, you know, kind of went this way, excuse me, this way. And the paper was written by three uh, economists. Uh, I don't know why an economist (laughs) would be involved in this um, besides forecasting for something related to markets. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, these three economists came up with a couple of different reasons on how they were uh, asserting that the uptick in crime corresponded with the uptick in people obtaining their concealed carry licenses. And one of those kind of three pillars supporting their argument was that it took law enforcement focus off of real crime and issuing the permits. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which made no sense because I mean, so we were talking about Westchester County, how it was flooded today. Yeah. Um, Westchester County, the, uh, the permits are reviewed by a judge so law enforcement is not involved in that. Today. So, you know, it was like giggle fest because that doesn't make any sense. At the right. time I'm reading this 23-page PDF and I'm going, that that's meaningless in this state. It's meaningless in a number of other states. Law enforcement doesn't spend time. They're not taking ESU cops and saying, right. sorry, you can't go through this training evolution. Right. And in the ca- I need you to in look. The, <laughs> in the county that Mike and I live in, you live in a different county, Rachel, mm-hmm. but in the county we live in, 
the sheriff's department is involved, but only to the degree of making sure you live where you say you live sure. and, and contacting your references. Inter- interviewing exactly. you, a bro- Administrative. Interview. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty yeah. minimal. Yeah. I mean, and, even Westchester and, County had a, a, has a detective roll your fingerprints kind of thing. they have their own unit that takes Correct. care of that, and yep. there is a waiting period right. because they don't have excess Any resources. The manpower. Yeah, exactly. Manpower. But they're not removing... Um, like street cops, right. they're not removing, right. um, you know, law enforcement um, ad nauseum and putting them into this process and then throwing their hands up saying, well, sorry, we can't solve crime, guys, because there's too many people applying for their permits, right. which is essentially what was one of their pillars of their arguments against allowing more well, people to get their the permits. Vast- but then, hold on, wait, one sec. Then, now we have... New York State Police yep. having to call in Nick's checks, which I is mean, like me saying to you, hey, yeah. can you tell Mike my name's Rachel? And we're sitting next to each other. It's pointless. And you're like, why can't it's you so just- It's so pointless. It's, listen, it's- That's a waste it's of their a, time. It, that is a, it is adding another layer. It is adding a middleman. Meaningless. It is unnecessary. Absolutely. It's a and way then, for them to generate money. It's all of those things. Absolutely. And then um, if you read in this article now, so Newsom's saying like, okay, now we are going to have to sit down with a sheriff or law enforcement in some format and get interviewed. (laughs) And it's like, to me, this is like this self-fulfilling prophecy. So they're going to say, all right, here's our new way of ensuring that even if we have law enforcement that believes in second amendment rights for people, we're going to turn them to our quote unquote side. They're going to make them follow. By making busy work for them. Yeah. So Keith, let's move us along here because I'm getting annoyed by California now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I can talk about this forever. So. No, we, all, <laughs> we, we got more. We, okay. we got more. We, we got, more. got, we got yeah. New York coming up later. I promise this is so stuff for later. I, I stumbled across this opinion article in the New York Post, and it really kind of struck me. Um, anyone who knows me really well knows that I love uh, uh, history from our forefathers. Like I'm, I'm, I've read a, many, many books on the American Revolution and and different books uh, from the leaders of those times. You know, George Washington, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, all, all those people. And you know, I've always sort of had a problem with the um, fad that's going around of removing statues uh, from you know of people that were uh, involved in slavery or other you know. Ill things. Other sins in yeah, the other past. sins in the past. Right. Yep. Thank you. But you know, there this article references um New York City's council having removed a statue of Thomas Jefferson and uh, now wants to take down a statue of George Washington and, and Christopher Columbus. And it goes on to talk about, you know, how there's not really a good balancing of these sins, uh, to uh, some of the other things that they have done. It really kind of hit home for me. So I forwarded it on to Mike and and said, we need to talk about this. And, you know, let's, we'll start with George Washington. You know, he, sure. Was he a slave owner? He absolutely was. Um, And he also emancipated all of his slaves when, when he passed away. He also, you know, did a lot more for America. There might not be a United States of America if it was not for George Washington. And Thomas Jefferson, was he a slave over owner? Sure, he was. But he also is very well documented of struggling with whether or not and how to include them into the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Um, he, I, I think at the end of the day, my opinion of it, based on, on, on my knowledge of him, was that it wasn't going to be a popular enough opinion of everyone else based on that time to be able to include that at that time. But these are not, these, these are people who are, should not just be known 
for um, you know the sins, they should also be known as some of the the good things that they did. And this article talked about how you know maybe that's an option, right? Like maybe we could you know put an uh, an asterisk uh, next to the statue and explain. I, I really like they, the, one of their ideas that they had was they said to put a uh, almost like a QR code on the plaque next to it, yeah. where you could like scan it and you could learn about the good and the bad. Like sure. you could learn, which by the way, you said you're a fan. I mean, it's of all well documented. The right. good and the bad isn't everything. I no, mean, you know. <laughs> you said you're a fan of history. Yeah. And I, and I, and I often enjoy hearing stories of the, of the past, especially about our country. And I find that when these things come up, it's like these people, they were people. They're very, they're they're imperfect, very, they're like us very, today. Yeah, the very first segment nuanced. we talked about was imperfect people, right? Well, the yeah. one that they brought up that I thought was interesting because they bring up a few people. They bring up FDR and yep. uh, and and you know um, putting uh, Japanese Americans <laughs> right yep. in camps and yep. uh, and it wasn't in this one, but Andrew Jackson, right? The Trail of Tears is another one. Uh, the one I thought was interesting. I never thought of this person because it's more a more modern. Was they talked about Malcolm X? Yep, and they said he did considerable good in energizing African-American citizens, but he had a long history of blatant anti-Semitism, right? So do, so do we say, well, you know, he hated the Jews, so we we take the uh, Malcolm X Boulevard sign down? Like, well, and I think that's- And I'm not for that. Like, I think like these these people are, are all imperfect humans. Correct. Yeah, and I think that is a was a, a, a really, you know, good point because, you know, like I started thinking about it and I was like, is this going to happen to the Washington Monument? <laughs> Is, so I is think Thomas Jefferson's memorial going to get torn down in I Washington D.C.? I think people DC? conflate a statue with worship, ah, and I think that's, that's interesting. Probably yeah. at a core or a foundational um, location of where this starts to go wrong. If you are being taught that it's a statue, so that it is someone that we have some sort of like idolization of that. Um, then the expectation is that they are uh, free of misdeeds. However, um, I was uh, always kind of um, of the ilk that someone has a statue because they were important in history. They were impactful in history. And so that means that inherently there's going to be some good and some bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, for the, for the same reason that, um, we highlight with, again, you know, Malcolm X this is a good example here. Um, and, uh, you know, New York Post, New York Post, uh, can trend, but kind of sometimes very pulpy. So yep. not having gone through this, uh, deeply, this particular article, what I would say is, and I think this is this, I think it's endemic with this issue is that people conflate this idea that a statue must be of someone who is uh, a godlike, and that, that is just not not the case. Because we, if you go all over the world, we have statues, we have busts of people who did some pretty bad stuff, sure. as well as doing some good stuff. But we don't have examples of them immortalized right. because they did something good. We we have them immortalized because they were important, important. and yep. impactful. Yeah. On the history of the area. I mean, listen, shy of Jesus Christ. There's just no way. <laughs> you're going to have a hard time someone, finding someone. Exactly. It's You You just aren't. I mean, it's well, for the same reason. I actually reason. tried to think about Jesus. Did he, did he screw up something? I was like, 
<laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, hung you out know, with Mary Magdalene. I mean, I don't know. Uh, some like level of religion somewhere, mm. right? Again, it has. Some, well, the like, Jews didn't really argument. think he was the savior. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So that's that's. A, but that would be my pushback on this. Is it's just like, hey guys, it's not about idolatry. We are not making these statues because we think these people are infallible. They're just important. They're impactful. They're important. And it's the most neutral word. When I say important, it's not because it's a positive-leaning thing. It's just because they affected a lot of things. I'm just so shocked at, you know, I mean, two, it's 250 years, right? Give or take mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm just so shocked at how, like, that's not a long time. No. 250 no. years is not a long time. And how easy we mm-hmm. all, like, our memories have just become so short. Our attention is so short. We're all looking and for something to be angry about, though, Keith. I, well, I don't disagree with that, Mike. I, yeah. I, I I don't disagree with that. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this for a lack of a better term, it's like we've just become so dumb. Yeah. Like, we've well, just Well, our access... It's, vitriol right yeah now, i think our access to information because remember as long as we've been on this earth it's better you know, which again i you know i under, there are people of different backgrounds so i'm, I'm not debating that but i'm just saying like just you mean follow along with you're, me you're not saying the earth is a couple billion years old uh yeah uh, so uh, that's uh, i'm 4. trying to, I'll, I'll speak for myself i'm in that camp but okay. um but i you know i'm trying to be respectful of people's different backgrounds and i will say it just understand, even even if you're coming from, even if it's not a four point six billion years yeah, old, yeah, yeah. Like, like if you're if you're in a different like space for that, the amount of time that we have had books, which has been from like the 1500s sure. onwards, um, I'm talking about mass ish yeah, produced, not the Bible, not handmade books, which were unusual to encounter previous to Gutenberg's press. Um, the amount of time that we've had mass-produced books is is for about like six hundred ish years, guys. Like six hundred ish years is yeah. not a long time no, it's for like, as it's long like as we've seven been around. Ancestors, <laughs> yeah, right. So we that changed the way we communicate then, and then we had TV, right? So TV's been around for what seventy years, eighty years now, sure, eighty years at this point, right? So. Look at how fast that technology is changing. But but how it's affected us, the way that we communicate with each other, right? So that that's been something that we're still trying to figure out. We're still we're still getting into groove on that. And then now you add in social media and and the access that people have with with their phones, and then also the ability. I mean, you hold all of all of humans' knowledge in your hand, and you can call it up. Whenever you want. So that changes the way our brains work because we just haven't had time with this technology long enough. You bring up an interesting point and, and, and then I'll move us on to something maybe a little more lighthearted. Yeah. No, but I promise it ties in for this because what I would say is. I think what you're saying is right though, because we look now and we go like, you know, like, look at all the problems, mm -hmm. the the wokeness, the, the, there's these buzzwords, right? We've never had access to it all at the same time. We are like, it's overwhelming in this information absolutely age. and so like it may take us another 100 years or you know or 50 years 100 years before we actually understand how to use its power properly correct mm-hmm. yeah. is that what you're kind of going with yeah and i and i just think you know having access to everything all at the same time is overwhelming yes, and i think definitely. it's a reaction to that saying oh my god it's not just this statue and a plaque it's like i know everything about this man <laughs> Standing here, but you all don't. At but once. they don't. They, but 
but right? you know but what anyway, what I'm trying yeah. my point I'm trying to say is like instead of using a statue as a point of inspiration to research yeah the expectation is that you have shoved everything into this moment when you view a statue yeah, and right. we just can't do that yeah and so you can't ask that of a bronze instead and this is kind of why I'm saying targeting back to my expectation of of a statue is is just that it's it's a, an important figure and it's it's going to be someone who I need to go look up. They affected right. this area in some manner to a degree that someone said, we got to make sure people remember this person. Right. Good I and never bad. think, yes, good and bad. Yeah. I never and, think, oh, it's, they, they've got to be perfect. I'm and just that's been, that's that the, has been the uh, expectation of mm-hmm. all who have put those statues in mm-hmm. place, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, like, we and that's we going se- on from we like- We celebrate them. We do celebrate them, right? That's, sure, sure. And we but, should, but- What I'm saying is that's been going on since Roman times, right? Yes. You know what I mean? And, I mean, and prior to that. Let me offer a different perspective. My father is 80 years old. He's my father. I lo- we have a good relationship. I love him to death. You're he's, building a statue of him. <laughs> he's made a that's lot- That's what I walked past when I came in here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the part where we're making yes. a joke and yes. it's wildly inappropriate? You're making a serious point. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my point is, is our parents. We love our parents, but how how much failure is there in in our parents? And even as parents ourselves, Keith, you and I, we fail all the time. And when you put your parents on a pedestal and you're like, how did they? How did they screw this up? How did they screw that? Up? It's like you're putting them on this unbelievable pedestal that they could never live up to because they're not a God. They're, mm-hmm. they're humans. They, sure. they tried to do the best they could. They screwed up a lot. And ultimately, you know, for many of us, uh, you know, in my situation, at least I can speak to my father was a good man, but he made mistakes. And I recognize that still love him. And I recognize those mistakes and yeah. we move on. And yeah. that's exactly how it is when we yeah. look at these larger than life yeah. figures. Right. I, I will. And the last thing I will say on that is, I do think it's important that if someone feels like someone has not been recognized, it's like rock and roll, put, put out that note at the town, the city, at, at whatever level, whatever municipal level that you need to, to initiate, um, another statue on top of this in a location that makes sense for this person, um, that, that you feel is important and impactful, um, whether it's to a particular community, to the community at large, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I'm not always for um, removing things because I still think that it starts to uh, become just riddled with conflict. It becomes this like opinion-based thing be- between people. And it Great starts diversity. to turn into this. Yes, it, it's very divisive. I understand where people are coming from because they feel like it's honoring someone who um, who did things that also include bad stuff. But I, I'm, my my answer back to that is that we have artists and we have incredible abilities to honor people that you feel like have been ignored by history. And in the energies that you're spending on um, removing something, uh, you know, could be spent on bringing something up. And that, that would be my response. Like yeah. focus that on creating what you think has been omitted and, and make it incredible and make it beautiful so that people do pay attention and they do feel it's important. So, you know, well but that's my opinion. Keith sent me this article 
And it, it was like fun. It was too good not to not to share. So over the past, now we're going on maybe like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, there were some foodies, some some food goers who got to uh, enjoy a nice steak dinner. They got off the years long wait list for a highly exclusive Please chop tell house. Me it was Outback Steakhouse steak. It was no. not. It was, <laughs> no. So it, it was ribeyes. They cooked them themselves. Yeah. Okay. These 140 diners, uh, what they actually experienced was an elaborate prank. That was pulled off by a 21-year-old AI startup founder and mm. his 65 friends. And so what had happened was over the pandemic, they were uh, he was making these bi-weekly steak dinners. He mm-hmm. was kind of like, you know, probably a way to kind of have camaraderie and the whatnot. Club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh so anyway, they decided that a they way were, to let their mask down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they decided that they were going to create just kind like of Newsom a, before at yeah, a dinner. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you guys got to do it, but not me. <laughs> they decided that they were going to create what I would call like a pop-up uh, fine dining restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they found a venue. They got a one-day liquor license, food handling permits. They did all that good stuff. So I, a, I, can I back you up just a little bit? Yeah, I, sure. I, so how this, how they got to this point of wanting to rent out a venue was, I thought, the best part of the entire article. Did I article. miss that one? So during the pandemic, like you said, they had this 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 dinner club. Well, they created a a, a, um, a review board on like, I don't want to say it was Yelp, it was something else, uh, but you know, where they were reviewing on like, as if this was a real restaurant at this person's apartment mm. and people started going like, how taking do I get notice, in? Taking how, notice. How, yeah, taking mm-hmm. notice. How do I get yes. into this restaurant? The hype. The hype started going and they had fun with it and they were like, oh, well, we have reservations a year from now or two years from now. Mm-hmm. That's so how this sort of list? It, it created this list. Oh, okay. And you could reserve a reservation. So it created this list. And they were mm-hmm. like, let's do this prank. So pull up the picture of the people dining. So apparently, over the course of the night, it said most people appear to notice that something was off. Uh, like there were pictures of this young, uh, you know, young chef or whatever you want to call him. And he's like next to like JFK and oh, Albert yeah, Einstein. That, that was this, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. and he he says uh, I would recommend suspending your understanding of linear time. Was mm-hmm. his, it was his answer to yes. people. And this one was funny too, the uh, waiter walking around right with, with a milk. gallon of whole yeah. milk and saying how <laughs> we want to bring you all the products of the cow. I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. So I I thought this was really funny. This cow was made from a a, a cow named Philip in yes. uh, Argentina. Yeah. I think he said. And forget that <laughs> Philip. That that, to, that, oh, that girl cows give milk. You can't. Don't anglicize it. Come yeah, on. This that's is right. a white white tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it wound up. Jesus. Some some people were actually upset. Uh, so, some were amused. But mm. some were talking about getting their lawyers involved. Yeah, of course you know? they were. And uh, I'm sure they're all people that are I, really fun at parties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they got a meal right. for like yeah. 114 bucks or something like that. I mean, I think that that type of person that is willing, I'm going to speak on the whole, not not the ones who are like having a good time with it, but those that contacted the lawyers are likely facing. The mm. fact that they are that person yes. and it is not a comfortable, <laughs> it's not a comfortable realization. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, like I said, it was just a funny thing, but I think that those are people who probably take themselves a little too well, seriously. Too seriously. It looks like a pretty yeah. good steak, I mean, it doesn't look like a bad steak. Yeah. I'm seeing lots of red. I mean, and listen, I milk's like good my for you. The potatoes hair. look good. So, yeah, the good potatoes garden. look yummy. Yeah. I mean, the glass of milk is a little weird, mm-hmm. but it is. Yep. It's it going to be a little... 
a lot in the, the sil- mouth. The silverware or- looks nice. It looks, you know, looks appropriate. <laughs> Those are good looking steaks. Great looking steaks. Yeah, well, I, I think it's funny. They want to do more. They, yeah. Uh, well, they now it'll take off. Business. Now it'll become a good joke. I know, I know. And you know, all those people, the lawyers are going to drop the lawyers so that they can, you know, croon to their friends about how we were first. Yeah, they yeah. should invest. That's what they should exactly. do. Exactly. So Keith, I know you want to get into your, your dress code discussion. So before we move on, I just want to briefly talk about none other than on-site firearms training. So uh, sure. you're here, so it seems a little weird to just read an ad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I've done it, I did it with Sean. We but. like to shoot guns good and teach other people to there shoot go. guns good. Well, yeah. you've definitely shot, uh, showed Mike and I to shoot better. Yeah. So uh, well, you know, I, I just have to remember everything you tell me, Rachel. That's, yeah. the, that's the hard yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's the same thing we say to everybody. Like we're there to help, but it's a lot of you guys, right? It's like a lot of you guys showing up. It's a lot of you guys... You're a huge part of the equation. You're more than 50%. The student is a huge part of the equation. Right. Well, so. I, I've been saying it for the past few episodes, but I am obsessed with Dirty 30. Oh, it's a good time. I, yeah. I can't yeah, get enough of that drill. Yeah, it's not ours. Um, I want to be very clear. That's Mr. Richardson's <laughs> drill. but um, It's a good one. It is a very good drill. It's a great way to get you focused on um, performative accuracy, meaning like, performance on demand, like being able to execute at different distances and then also attention span. So uh, I am, yes. I am squirrel brain. So for me, <laughs> Ooh, something shiny. it was brutal. Cause I was like, Oh no, I got to stay in it. Um, so right. it's a lot of fun. But. Well, I will just say this. I, like I said, I'm not going to read the ad, but I will say that, uh, first off, thank you to you and Ben and everyone there for, uh, for being sponsors of the show. But more importantly, Thank you for helping us. And we work with people that are good quality people. And thank you for for being good quality instructors. And I know you guys are always improving your craft to bring better instruction to the yeah, students. And that say. genuinely uh, means a lot. So just genuinely thank you before we move on, but it's we very much appreciated. Yeah. We appreciate that. Bringing, bringing great people to us to train with yeah. is, is also just yeah. something that is you know great. I didn't I didn't realize it was even around, right? And then here it is, and, mm-hmm. and it's so available because it wasn't for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> you filled you filled a, a niche for yeah. sure. Yep. So go ahead, Keith. Let's take us to dress code. So uh, this has gone all over the place, but uh, I I couldn't help myself but but want to talk about it on this. And mm-hmm. uh, a little over two weeks ago now. Um, Senator uh, Schumer came out and and said that the uh, Sergeant of Arms will no longer be enforcing a dress code on on the on the uh, Senate floor. When you told me this, <laughs> I was like, "What?" And it was, you know, it, it was pretty. I, I was pretty appalled by it. You know, it's just again another, in my opinion, degradation of you know what we're experiencing as Americans, <laughs> and it's just you know what is what is there to be proud of or what is there to be is nothing sacred suck sacred is another good word i was looking for thank you and uh it just was so disappointing and right around the time when that happened i saw this second article come out and there was uh, a student who was suspended for his hairstyle in um uh what state was it texas texas, texas thank you yeah and it's like this wait a pissed, minute this pissed me off we're, we're, we're telling kids they can't go to school because of their hairstyle, the mm-hmm. way they're dressed, but we're going to let uh, a senator mm-hmm. walk on the House floor with gym shorts and a sweatshirt. And you're speaking and, about and, Fetterman, and, 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 and he's a disgrace. And, you know, well, it, way, I mean, it wasn't just Fetterman, but, no, but yes, <laughs> it, it felt like for Fetterman, it did feel like that, but there were Republicans who spoke up in favor of this too, yep. you know, not just Democrats, and yep. 
um, you know, it uh, it was really, really bothered me. He's the one I saw dressed down horribly. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to take away, you know, from the fact that he had a stroke and he was severely depressed from that. And yep. But, you know, okay, fine. Then either you're not able to do the job or you're able to put on a suit and a tie and do the job. Right. You so, know? I mean, I... I Number one, um, so the word tradition is being used here. And I think I've seen some different dialogues on this word, people conflating it with, again, like, oh, that's white tradition, right? Or it's somehow some sort of affront to people of other, yep. either skin colors or culture. And um, I, I want to be clear. I, I believe that when you are speaking for people who have elected you, yeah. It's a little bit more formal an occasion versus something like a happy hour or a party that you're having. You are going to your job that you have been elected by a number of other people um, <clears throat> to go and speak on their behalf. And I would want, because um, uh, again, I, I can only speak for myself because I've not been elected into a position. Right. I would want for that to be done in a manner where someone is taking the time to dress, at, at, to reflect the importance of the job that they have. Um, I, I don't give the latitude to Fetterman because of his stroke, because I think we are clearly seeing a number of people in that same space who are also dealing with sure. some health issues, right? Mm -hmm. So we had Feinstein die today. Yep, right. uh, she was 90 years old. Um, you know, we, she we've dressed got, apart. Yeah. We've got people completely shutting down at multiple points in front of cameras and yep. then just uh, kind of beach balling. Right. So Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Yep. With, with all of that in play, if those guys are able to put a suit on in the morning, <laughs> right. Even if someone puts it on for him, I understand yeah. he comes from the best. So the long term view on Fetterman is that he came up like he was, he got a sponsorship from Carhartt. He was the working man's, um, uh, uh, a man in, in that position where he was in Western PA. But then you get to a point where you get elevated into the big leagues. And then right. the expectation is that not that you're following along and not that you're no longer raising your profile and not that you're not quote unquote, like raging against the machine. It's not that he's eliminating his voice when he's dressing in a manner um, that others do and the quote unquote tradition of getting the suit and tie or the more formal uh, clothing on. It's not that he's losing his voice. It's that he's showing respect for the gravity of the job the that he has. The constituents that he is, he's representing. And like, I thought about so, this from a different perspective of <clears throat> if I pay, if I go to a lawyer's office, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. I have to be, this is me. I'm, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm saying me. If I go to a lawyer's office on a random Wednesday and he's wearing like khakis and a polo shirt, looks like professional, but not in a suit and tie. I, if he's a good lawyer and I don't think I would. That really, would probably, that would, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, I wouldn't blink. But if he showed up to court in that, I would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You're Did you just roll out of There's bed? a formality. You're representing me. Right. It, and I want you to represent me with the absolute best. <laughs> right. All the way over and, your clothing. And tradition, yeah. you know, Rachel, the, it is an, an interesting word to use in, in, in the context of, of discussing this, but there's a formality to it. 
You know, like, and that's more, you know, you dress formal at a wedding, you dress formal at a funeral, you dress formal going to church, you know, like there are just things that, you know, there's a formality where the best you can look is what it's expected. And And the other weird thing about all this is it's since all this, it's come full circle. The dress code is back in folks. If you didn't hear now, it's now I, I good, but good, good, but like what in the world? Like why are we? You, you can be the working man's voice, but at that level, you you should be able to port like portray the same level of power, of formality, of importance, because you shouldn't, you should not knock the voice down to the t-shirt and the shorts. I, I, I mean, yes, yes. Uh, you know, coming from a blue collar background, I'm going to tell you right now that voice shouldn't, shouldn't be dependent on your apparel. It, it shouldn't be so tenuous a connection with the working man that it somehow disappears and evaporates. If you put a, if you put a suit on, I, it shouldn't matter. I don't, I don't want to be, in a depressing state. Like, I don't want to, like, I just don't know. That's where I'm at with this. What is depressing to me about this is this whole full circle that we've gone Mm -hmm. on this, right? No dress, no dress code back to a dress code Mm -hmm. in such a short period of time is just another example for me of why this government has gotten so it's pandering. inadequately large. Like it's out of control. We have a looming shutdown that is out of touch. They're not moving anywhere towards getting this resolved. And we're discussing two weeks before that, we're discussing dress code. Right. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. It, like you guys got other important dialogue. things to be doing in these committee meetings. <laughs> and then. it shouldn't be for one person. I'm sorry. Well, I and I don't know if it was there, you know, we're, I I assume it was. Yeah, no, it certainly t- looks that for, way. Yeah. No, certainly looks that way. Which is crazy. Um, but uh, it, I just am dumbfounded at all of the other things we got going on and 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 we have wasted so much time to take away the mm-hmm. dress code and in such a short period of time just put it back. Yeah. It's 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 appalling to me. Yeah. And it's disgusting for both sides. So quite frankly. Really briefly, I do want to look now at this, I'm done. Yeah, the sorry. student's hairstyle. <laughs> and then I promise I'm gonna go back to New York because I promised Rachel we would talk about New York. Sure. I, I just when you sent this to me and then you know we found so this is it's a black student who is suspended for hairstyle. That's kind of yep. the article. And his they claim that he was suspended because his hair was um, I think he had dreads and dreads. they were not happy with it. They said it was which... below his eyebrows and his his uh, first of his all, his ears, and it is not even close he to has that. A sweet haircut. Yes, uh, <laughs> agree. I think it's a fantastic haircut. Agreed. Um, and you know, to me, it's like especially if this is a public school. Uh, what are you doing? It's a I, public school. I if this was a private facility, who like the whole parents and the admissions portion, everybody signed a contract agreeing to something. It would be a little different. But if this is a public school. What's happening? How is his hair hurting anyone? I mean, I'm looking at him and, you know, I mean, listen, it's a, uh, what I would call, it's a stylish hair. Sure. Hair style. yeah, it's yeah, a high, it's stylish, right? Yeah, yeah. But when I'm looking at him, like nothing about him screams like he, inappropriate. No, he looks like kid. a high school. He looks like a high he school He looks kid. like a normal kid. <laughs> and, and so it just frustrates me because I'm like, here you guys are in this high level position. And obviously these are not related in terms of like, not like, not like they were doing this and then <clears> these <throat> are the same people who were saying he can't go to school. Oh, I think they're extremely related. No, no, no. What I mean, let, let me clarify. Chuck Schumer is not the one telling him he can't no, go to school. No, but what I'm not. saying is they are 100% related 
because they are the example. Yeah. And so if you're you're supposed to hold a high standard. Yes. This young man is actually doing a better job of holding that yeah, standard, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And you I, know? I just, I, I would say, you know, um, again, not spending my whole life on on either one of these articles and yeah. researching ah. beyond what is being written here, which I'm always a little like suspect because again, the goal is to get clicks. The goal is to kind of sure. make it sure. a little bit more sensational, but- the um the kid that I'm seeing here in these photos, um, his entire support system, they're just normal people. I don't yeah. I don't understand what's going on here. I don't see anything wild. It's not like he just looks like a normal kid. Right. So it just feels like, man, is there really no other issue going on at the school that you have to it's wild get something like that involved? Which makes me also kind of go like, is that actually what happened? You know, so whatever. But I, I do think um on face you know, value, it's craziness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. So back to New York so that Rachel can vent a little more about New York. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Hochul was our governor, was told that. Somebody's uh, governor. <laughs> yeah. Um, that her office was notified an hour, uh, well, an hour earlier from this yeah, article. Yeah, crying about it. Oh, so just an hour before. Right. That Clarence Thomas had granted the request mm. for an emergency conference to evaluate the state's new gun laws. So the new gun laws- um, basically are talking about uh, carrying concealed outside of the home. And this kind of goes back to the California thing, ties in nicely that gun owners are not allowed to carry in, here it is again, sensitive locations like libraries, places of worship, polling places, theaters, schools, so on and so forth. And they omit that's also all private businesses. Yes. Which is without again, Without consent very, prior. Yes, but it's it, they write it so it's sensationalized. They right. write it to, the, to feed the bias, which is- Annoying. She annoyed me with this because she criticized Clarence Thomas and said that this is an attempt to placate conservative big oh. donors and the whole of thing course. with him going on vacation. And well, she's on record saying, "Go move, go yeah. go somewhere else. It's if you like guns, leave the state." Disgusting. So, so she didn't have an hour heads up on this. She had from when she decided to put these law in oh, these yeah. laws yeah. in place. Unconstitutional. So laws. don't don't come crying. Oh, I was only given an hour. That is. Complete horseshit. She knew this was coming. Yes. Not only does she know it's coming, the cases have been building, too. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. I mean, everybody's been in court with this. Uh, um, does anyone remember the Second Circuit oh and the God. fact that there's a court? So this is interesting. <laughs> um, I'm going to tie two things in here. So a couple other things happened very, very recently, one of which was while we were at the, at the conference. Yep. Uh, California's mag ban was overturned. And of course, that's going to be appealed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Maryland uh, recently, I think as of today, of this record, um, recording, was uh, their restricted area ban was partially blocked. So there's a couple things, a lot of, lot of movement going on in the courts. Mm -hmm. But I had the opportunity to speak to Alan Gottlieb when we were at the conference. And I said, Alan, I need to, I need to get your take on what's happening with the California mag ban. And I said, you know, where does this end? Because it's getting so frustrating. And he said, this is really good perspective. He said, they're probably gonna, they're probably gonna appeal it, right? But eventually it needs to work its way to the Supreme Court and it's it's slowly getting there. And he said, we are going, his words, we are going to win these things. We are going to win. It's a matter of time, but we will win. He said, but what you're witnessing is the Hochuls, the yeah, Newsoms. They're spinning the wheels. They're, they're kicking the can down mm -hmm. the road, hoping 
that an election cycle comes where you know a justice passes mm-hmm. and they can change the tide of yeah. the Supreme Court. This is all stall tactics. Sure. So you know, keep in mind to your point, Rachel. She knew this was coming. Yeah. It's all just more. They've always known this. Yeah. It's it's completely it's completely insincere to trot something like that out. Also, her note: we're dead set on placating their donors, supporters, and we're the ones left to clean up. Uh, the donors and the supporters are taxpayers. Right. right. They're, they're also people that live in the state. Um, they may not occupy the majority of the population, the 60% of our population that lives in the five boroughs, uh, but the rest of the 93% landmass in this state doesn't always follow along with what has been given to us or spoon-fed to us coming from her press office. Well, she said, this is a great quote, as a former county clerk, I knew that none of my, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I knew that none of my staff was showing up in the first week in November when deer season started. So I know how people feel about hunting season, particularly here in upstate. Why do we always have to make this about hunting? Yeah. Like it's crazy. You know, it's again, like, the proximity to her because, because there's a hunt. There, there are hunters who don't, you know, just want to hunt. And as long as they don't get interfered with their hunt, they're, they're okay. They're yeah. And, and the proximity are to her and yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, they are, absolutely are. There are a yeah. lot of them. They, they believe that everybody should just have a bolt gun right. or just have a shotgun and that's it. Um, I am unafraid like to say that because I have met plenty of them. Yeah. Um, and they're afraid of black guns or afraid do, of do everything else. Do you like to else. shoot trap and skeet? Um, I don't get to shoot trap and skeet often at all. Okay. Have at you done, all. Have you, have you shot it? Uh, I mean, like maybe once. Stop pushing. Like, I'm just curious if she ago. enjoys it. You like, you like competitive to do shooting. It. I would love to do it more. I'm frequently at clubs that have the majority are trap and Well, I know shooters, you're a competitive person. But, I know you like. Yeah. You know. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's literally it's, a competitive spot. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, 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 I, I don't know. I enjoy not, shooting it. And it, I, and I only say that because there are a lot of FUDs that shoot those two sports. Sure. But, um, you and know. And they are by, they are not, it's not mutual exclusion. Like, I'm not talking about that all hunters are one way. Right. And, no, it was and, just an opportunity for me to talk about shooting shotgun. <laughs> Stop derailing the shot. <laughs> but what I would say, though, is her proximity to hunters is probably much, much, much closer yeah. than it is to anybody that's seriously working with um, handguns or seriously working on the kind of self-defense side of things. Definitely. And so with that being the case, there's a lot of like, oh, I under- I've, got, I've got proximity to it. I understand it. The same way, it's not a stranger. So what happens when someone's not a stranger? It's a lot harder to caricature, like right. to create that cartoon character because all of a sudden she's likely got someone in her family that has hunting land upstate, right? right? And if she no longer can uh, distance herself from that person. Right. So, so when the Supreme Court's going to, they're going to have a conference, dialogue. a full court conference about this <clears throat> during next, we, the week this airs, that the end of that week, it's going to be like October 6th, I think is yeah, the date um, of it. I don't know if they gave a date here, but yeah. It's October 6th. I'm pretty sure. If that's the Friday, I'm pretty sure that's the date. And they expect to have, you know, the results of that discussion um, by Monday or Tuesday, the Tuesday, the following week. I found this to be good news in terms of that at least the Supreme Court is saying, hey, we need to kind of. We need they to need to intervene. In. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. I think you're, you know, it's abundantly clear. I always also find this 
um, fascinating. Everybody really believes that there's this endless bu- like bucket of money when it comes to um, lobbying for and um, fighting against uh, a lot of the large organizations that um, are the familiar cast of characters like uh, Every Town, yep. Moms Against, or right. Moms Demand. Um, there isn't the amount of money that's on um, the the side of of gun rights is nowhere near as substantial right, as right. it is on the other side. So well, the, but Michael Bloomberg outspent the NRA by a ton. In, absolutely, you know, without question. That that's a great example. And then let us not forget that the money that these governors are fighting this with. Is our money? That's yeah. right. Yeah, we're paying for this court <laughs> and endless supply to get <laughs> right. our own and stuff back. Right. So I mean, I mean, it's it's absolutely uh, infuriating. Her, I can go state by state and tell you that we are in a far safer state while respecting the rights of gun owners and sportsmen and women. That is absolutely it's patently untrue. It's yeah. absolutely untrue. Everything about her laws punishes those that wish to conceal carry. Um, while uh, essentially trying to drive people into this premises only. Um, what that does, it eliminates people's ability to come out and train and understand their relationship with their gun, concealed carrying, and the rest of the world. For this, to the very thing that we were talking about before with what I do, with what Ben does, with what Sean does, with what Tom does, everything – that every one of our instructors at OFT does. It's our job to make sure that you guys are better, safer, more accurate thinkers with your guns. And everything that she is doing is cordoning that gun off into a safe that never leaves. And the ability and the skill with which one has to be able to correctly deliver um, whatever is going to be asked of that firearm will just be annihilated. Yep. Yep. So it is the polar opposite. The one so thing, infuriating. The one thing, the, the last thing on this, it was literally the last part of this article. And this, like, I put a little note here. It's like, this is very frustrating because it, it scares me. According to the CDC, New York has one of the lowest rates of gun deaths in the country. New York has 5.4 gun deaths per 100,000 total population. For comparison, Massachusetts has the lowest... 3.4 per 100,000. And Mississippi, which is very pro-gun, has the highest rate of 33.9 per 100,000. And now I know stats can be misleading, all this other stuff. I mean, Mississippi could be an area where there's a lot of depression and suicide could account for a lot of that. We just we not don't as know. much population. Well, no, but could it's per, no, it's, per, it's, it's a ratio. It's per 100,000 people. So they're basing it off of that. It's just, this is frustrating because when someone reads this article, they go, well, I guess New York's laws are working then. Mm-hmm. You know, and- and how do we combat that? Like as 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 pro gun folks, like that is pretty damning evidence. You well, know, I, I guess I'm curious. I wonder how many of uh, Mississippi's are suicides. Versus, well, that's what I said. Well, know? I'll tell you, like the 2021 numbers, that suicide deaths. They're of the about 48,000 deaths by firearm. Uh, half of them are suicides. Well, and you know what's interesting too is is uh, we heard at um, the conference we were at in Arizona there that. You know, while these gun, these tougher gun laws may reduce the number of suicides by firearm, it doesn't reduce the number of suicides. <laughs> no, and and I would say one of the yeah. biggest issues that, of course, we're all dealing with is none of what we're really getting as far as this data draws a line between um, someone who has 
obtain this firearm legally and yep. someone who has not. No. So, not. and th and this, this to me is the biggest and most important number for us to better understand because what, again, we're affirming at all points is that every single one of the legal gun owners have gone through all of these hoops that they continue to get leveled in their direction. Um, yet we still have crime. Right. So I looked it up really quick and uh, Minnesota, uh, Mississippi, excuse me, is not, they're not even close to the top of the list. The top of the list has a rate of 32.3. Uh, Mississippi is a rate of 16.2, but New York is a rate of 7.9. So Mississippi does have a lot. So the, these uh, are, these are, these stats are from a different year. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just omitting I, some details. Yeah, I'm yeah. just pulling up the idea that. Oh, I mean, in the article, they're yeah, omitting. Yeah. They're omitting yeah. a lot of details. I, I mean, without me doing <clears throat> any research at all, me going, hmm, I wonder if Mississippi has more sure. suicides than New York. And while that may not account for all of it, that certainly is. That's something they're not taking into account. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's my point. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to do a deep. Oh, you were given suicide by state. Yes, by firearm. Yes, I apologize. So it was. It was almost double. Yeah. Minnesota to Got uh, it. Mississippi, excuse me, to New York mm -hmm. was almost double. Yeah. Got it. You know? Anyway, um, so Keith, <clears throat> what happened with this uh, possible mass shooting or almost mass shooting? Uh, I'm just going to play a little uh, article for everyone or a little YouTube video. video. Thank you. It's not playing an article, <laughs> is it? It's playing a video. <laughs> Here in tonight, police in Virginia say they stopped a potential mass shooting at a church with just moments to spare. They say the suspect was in the church vestibule with the congregation inside. Here's ABC's Alex Brashay tonight. Tonight, police say they foiled a potential mass shooting at a Virginia church with just moments to spare. This was a thwarted, diabolical plot to kill churchgoers. Thwarted and diabolical. Virginia. Authorities say 35-year-old Rui Jang staked out the Park Valley Church about 40 miles west of Washington, D.C. early Sunday morning and posted threatening messages on social media. Around 7.40 a.m., a concerned community member calling in a tip to police who immediately started searching for their suspect. What she saw concerned her enough to call the Anne Arundel County Police Department and say, hey, I think something really bad is going to happen. An off-duty officer working security at the church heard the call and quickly apprehended Jang in the church vestibule, the congregation already inside. We put our hands on him literally in the nick of time. Officials arresting Jang less than three hours after that initial tip saying he was heavily armed with a loaded handgun and additional magazines and two knives. Police also discovering disturbing writings at his home. So what I found interesting with this was a few things. We always talk, or not we, the anti-gun folks, mm -hmm. always talk about these laws, these things <coughs> they have to do to stop these shootings. But in this case, no laws that they would have put in place would have stopped this. Nope. But what stopped it was someone seeing something concerning and doing something about it having a having a security guard at the church was certainly helpful and i find it interesting that whenever these things happen they will talk about ar15s they will talk about assault weapons he had what was it two knives and a and a pistol correct that wouldn't have put a blip on the radar that wouldn't have that wouldn't be something they would go after they're not going after pistols i've never seen them say we need to limit pistols to stop mass shootings and this got stopped, and this is the only article I've seen, and I saw because you sent it to me, but it's not making massive headlines. But if he had gone through with it, we would have been hearing headlines for sure. days. Yeah, yeah, possibly, maybe not with the pistol, to your point. It wouldn't have fit the narrative that, that they, yeah. as they like to use for these type of That's uh, true. Um, murders. Um, but 
so I found a couple other articles and I, I, you know, I found it interesting or at least a talking point, I should say for the show that on, on how he was using social media and he basically, what somebody saw on social media was him pointing a firearm at pictures of this church. And that is what prompted them to, um, to call. And, uh, you know, it was 40 miles away, like like the uh, person, uh, the sheriff speaking in the article, uh, speaking in the video, talked about. And the uh, law enforcement from the area where he was from went and did a, a health check on him, and he was not there. And then that's when everything started to accelerate, and they started to look and, and try to figure out what was happening. Um, but it also goes on to say that in one of the articles I found, there was one uh, quote that was really um, – I'm going to be interested to hear how this gets spun, but it was uh, a law enforcement agency, I think in the, in the town where this gentleman lived, it said um, that this, the suspect was very concerned about getting his concealed carry permit. So I'm kind of feeling like waiting for them to say that this was a legal gun owner who tried to do something like this. Um, but yeah, but he would have had to go through all those hoops that they say are, are so valuable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, what is that? None say. of this, none of this fits the narrative that they want. They'll never they'll never use any of this. No, yeah, I, I would say that what it says is that everything that they put in place is meaningless unless unless you do the thing that doesn't require any real legislation, which is when someone makes an active threat, you should investigate it, act mm -hmm. upon it. And this is something that has been a refrain throughout a number of these shootings, all the way back to um, Columbine, where we knew that people were doing things and acting in manners that were concerning. And everyone who is a good person but cannot understand how someone can get to the point where they are going to harm someone will make excuses for or somehow create this narrative where it's not going to go off the rails because it doesn't enter the realm of possibility of someone who has a healthy uh, or relatively healthy orientation with society because it doesn't make sense to them. They don't have the ability to understand how they can do it. So they go, well, it wouldn't motivate me. So I guess it's fine. Right. And that's kind of where it's like you have these dialogues with people who are like, I can't understand how they would do that. It's like, I know you can't. I just need you to acknowledge that what motivates or dissuades you is not the same as what motivates and dissuades someone who doesn't have a healthy relationship with society. It's just not. And the sooner that people acknowledge that and understand that when they're seeing that stuff, just because they might say to themselves, well, that's a that's a ridiculous photo or that's a crazy tweet or whatever. The, but I, I had a bad day the other day and I thought some really bad stuff too. And I would never go and do it. Well, we all Shouldn't, think bad things. It's acting on them. That makes the difference, right? Yes, exactly. Expressing them. But it's, yeah. it's the express it, it's So what I'm saying is they wouldn't know that they were thinking that unless yeah. they've expressed it. Yeah. And to the point that I'm trying to make is that I am only talking about, we have had mountains of posts of um, dialogues with other people, of um, of like parents basically like seeing stuff in rooms that were ignored 
uh, people who are making excuses. Uh, I think there was a really fin, like just, just, just absolutely bonkers interview with um, one of the guys who shot up a nightclub mm-hmm. um, about his his son. Uh, I believe is if I'm remembering correctly, I can't remember the the actual incident, but uh, there was just a lot of like, Oh no, they were a good kid. I don't understand. You know, they've always been whatever. And it's like, y- you missed 80,000 pounds of piles of problems that if you had acknowledged it instead of ignoring it or making excuses because it's difficult to talk about, right. then we may not have had what we had happen. This is a case where I I don't know this person and their support system in the community, yep. um, and if they didn't have a support system in the community, he was obviously like reaching out for help. Well, yeah, I I think also too when people are ostracized, it's it's sometimes easier to say, oh, that person's crazy. I'm gonna mm-hmm. call the cops on him. <laughs> yeah. It's it's more difficult when it's someone who does have relationships with right. the community because you will make excuses for them, right? And that's the part that becomes very sticky. In in no way, shape, or form am I saying it's that easy and you should be calling the cops on everybody that's, you know, got a crappy uh, Facebook update. Uh, um, And and I wish it was that easy, Um, you know, but like I said before, people want easy. And there's nothing about this that's simple or easy. It's not an if-then logic problem where, you know, um, if – I post something garbage on the internet, then I'm going to perform this task. It's just not like that. Right. It's more no, nuanced. We're, we're all just big animals. Right. And and, and <laughs> so people's response to that is, well, ban guns, because that's the easy thing. Um, right. You know, I mean, like, he still had two knives. Right. Uh, you can go to at home in Poughkeepsie. I was just there the other day to get something. Um, and it's just a big store full of stuff for your house. You go all the way to the back corner, and there's just a wall of um, uh, chef knives. I'm not talking about little table knives. I'm talking right. about like the big old big chef knives. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know they're just there in plastic. I mean, I don't even need, need to bring a gun into that place. Right. You know, your sensitive location doesn't stop crime. I can right. still take one of those knives and do. If a someone lot wants of to do damage and they have they're an gonna ounce of creativity, Correct, yeah. they're going to do it. And if there's no knives in there, but there's something I can use as an impact weapon, that's going to be used. If right. people are driven to do this, it, it doesn't matter what tool they have. Cain and um, Abel. We are not as civilized as we would like to be. It's boggling to me because we have video evidence, much more video evidence. I think of most of the, I think most of us are behave. actually. I think most of us are. But no, no, you no have I mean, I, I, very generalized. Yeah. I'm, I I agree that I think the majority of the individuals who are human beings, uh, mouth breathers <laughs> on this planet, um, you know, are, are 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 civilized people. But to, to think that you can make everyone a civilized right. person by we're writing still, something as as if you have to do it. We're still animals. Yeah. We're still animals. And, and to yeah. be clear, you know, and I, I have this dialogue with people again when I'm kind of introducing them to self-defense or I'm introducing them to a better understanding of how to be more aware. It's not that you think everybody is a garbage person per se. You just have to acknowledge that they are all capable yes. of being a garbage person. Right, yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. We, yeah. you know, everybody. If got you have opposable thumbs, you can do this. You have <laughs> the capability. Like that person has the capability. Listen, I had a moment on that air, airplane on that uh, airplane line. I had a moment on that airplane line that I was like, I t- turned into a little bit of an animal. I mean, I, I, I'm going full New York. I, 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 I died. I dialed it back a little bit, but there was a moment where I was like, not today, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bob. listen, we were all over today. Stop on a good note. <laughs> we talked about California. We talked about New York. We talked about the Senate. But I, I really wanted to end on a on a high note because to Keith, to your point, you know, we are just animals, but sometimes we're good animals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This college football player, uh, Brian Dooley, noticed that his teammate was juggling uh, multiple jobs. And um, so uh, the player that was more working these jobs, Zach Conti, he was paying his way through college for four years. And he was doing everything from working odd jobs to actually selling his plasma to be able, be able to pay bills, which is just crazy. Right? I didn't know I could sell that. I just donated yeah. it for free for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Well, now you, now you know. Where do I go to sign up to sell it? <laughs> so, and, I've made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so wrong. Uh, so the NCAA allows uh, teams to provide 85 scholarships each year. And at the time, they were all given out. So they were trying to get this kid a scholarship, but they would not grant an 86th scholarship for any reason. And so uh, Brian Dooley goes into his coach's office and he says, I've talked this over with my family. And if there's a way for me to make this happen, I'm willing to give up my scholarship as a gift to Zach Conti. And um, I guess like they were in the locker room or whatever. And he walked over to um, uh, his teammate and he, he gave away his scholarship. And uh, so Conti said, this is a quote, Conti said, so honored, so thankful. Um, and he knew that the coaches were trying to get him a scholarship, uh, but he didn't know that his teammate was going to present this to him at that meeting. And so, you know, this kid was working, you know, like I said, giving, giving plasma up for money. 50 to 100 bucks. Yeah, he's yeah. he's you know, he's bleeding he for it. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. I think you can do that once a Blood, week, Blood, right? sweat, and tears. Yep. Literally so and figuratively. He, he did give his uh, explanation of why he gave up his scholarship. He said, I did it because I've seen Conti grow over the years. Seeing him walk away from something that he loves did not sit well with me. He works hard and gets extra work with me all the time. In my eyes, he earned it 100%. Giving up my scholarship so he can stay and play means everything. I'm proud of what he has become and cannot wait to see what he does on the field. So I just thought like, you know what? We see so many negative things, but man, this is like a real, obviously his family had, they must have some means to be able to, you know, give that up, but that doesn't mean you have to give it up. You sure. know what I mean? Plenty yeah. of people would say, Hey, you know, I'm not our problem. So I just thought that was really cool. Um, good feel good moment for the yeah. show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, with, with sports, there's a lot of, and I, I didn't play anything in college cause I went to art school again, mm-hmm. classic gun owner. Um, and so <laughs> we, we didn't have real sports teams. We had, we had teams, but they were kind of like we had a hockey team called the Nads. Frisbee team? No, it's the Nads. <laughs> and um, so, like, whenever they were playing, they would put potatoes in pantyhose and they'd tie them on all the fences. Oh, cool. You should see all the merch. It's amazing. It's all <laughs> balls themed. So, um, but the uh, so the the time before that, though, I, I definitely recovering Crazy Horse Girl, um, you know, and riding was one of those situations where, um, you know, my parents worked very hard. We didn't have the kind of money that a lot of my fellow barn goers did. So, you know, I worked a lot. Um, and there were a lot of people from kind of different backgrounds involved. But 
Um, I think, you know, the idea of recognizing someone's hard work, even at a young age and having the ability to make a difference in their lives, it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're in college, you know, whether you're younger, whether you're older, if you can make a difference, I promise you, this is one of the few definitives. Um, it will, you, it will make you feel better. Um, you will, you will feel good from that and it shouldn't be the driving force you're feeling, but I'm just saying there's, there's just, there's so many more positives to something like that. It's worth your time and your effort to do that, to give in some way. If you have no money, give your time. If you have time still try, or excuse me, if you have money, still give your time. Right. People can benefit financially, but it, it is truly about like your ability to see, understand their efforts and and recognize that and give them some level of acknowledgement. Because oftentimes that person, I'm sure that kid, especially dealing with what looks like his mother had uh, polycystic kidney disease, yep. is just dealing with a lot in his life. And he's still out there getting after it. Yep. Um, you know, what a what a great example of a person that's deserving yeah. of, of a little bit of a leg up when life is yep. just kind of beating you up. It shows you that the world isn't all bad and yeah. we have a lot, we still have a lot of good in this country. For and sure. So Keith, you, you've actually had a pretty good day today. So I'm going to let you end the show <laughs> with any last words you want to part with. Yeah. I think like on the, on the uh, topic that we're talking about, just, you know, find a way to be a productive member of society and give back to the community that you live in. And whether it's being an advocate like the Second Amendment, like the three of us, or whether it's, uh, you know, helping an old lady bring her groceries to her car, you know, but find a way to give back and, and uh, you know, be a, be a productive member of society, like I said. I love it. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and a very special thanks to Rachel for hanging out with us and chopping it up. Thanks, be sure guys. to head over to glowrhino.com and OFT.LLC.com to check out all the awesome companies that Rachel is Wait, involved. Wait, can I jump in? Did it's, I screw it up? Yeah. Go ahead. What is it's, it? It's OFTLLC.US. Got it. Wow, I really screwed that up. <laughs> to check out all the awesome companies that Rachel's involved with. If anyone out there has any opinions or thoughts on tonight's conversation, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, or Spotify, and let your voice be heard. 